The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Last week was frustration and what could have been. This week is, oh my goodness, is this real? Are we experiencing what I think we're experiencing with the Cincinnati Bengals? Holy moly, the Bengals lose to the Dallas Cowboys on the road to a backup quarterback. And Cooper Rush is a Dallas hero. And the Cincinnati Bengals are... 0-2 to start this season. We kind of felt like this was going to be a somewhat easy 1-1, 2-0 start to the Cincinnati Bengals season, and it is just not the case. And I've got some stats to talk about in terms of not only this game, the box score, all that kind of stuff, but also I went back a little bit, and I went back into last year. I went back into last postseason, and I went back, and obviously talking about these two games as well this year. And there are some staggering statistics on offense. When you look at things though, I know the Bengals fell into a 14 to three hole earlier today, but when you look at the grand scheme of things on the road, you're giving up 20 points. Yes. To a backup quarterback, but 20 points, that's not a huge mountain to overcome. And then you go into week one at home And, you know, you're letting up 20 points in regulation by the defense as well. By the way, seven of those was not let up by the defense. That was a pick six. So you're looking at, in total, what, 16 points at home last week, 20 points on the road. The defense is not doing things in terms of getting quarterback sacks, big plays, forcing these gigantic momentum-changing, you know, moments in the opposing offense's drives. However, they're getting off the field for the most part. And they're, they're kind of stopping teams from really kind of breaking the Bengals back, so to speak. And I know it was a frustrating start for the Bengals defense this week. It was a frustrating start a little bit last week for the Bengals defense, but their backs were against the wall because of all the turnovers and whatnot. This week was, you know, Again, frustrating start, but all in all, they did enough for the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game. 
and you look at the offense and you go, what is happening? What's happening with Joe Burrow? What's happening with this revamped offensive line? What's happening with the run game? What's happening with the big plays? I think the, the longest play this year is what, 24 yards, and today was 19 yards? Where are the big plays? Where's the where where's the explosiveness of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, etc.? Well, it's it's not really too much on the wide receivers because there's not a lot of time for Joe Burrow to get the ball out, take deep drops, all of that. And last week was hey, it's week one. Week one's weird. the The offensive line hasn't had a lot of time to gel. Not no snaps in the preseason, you know. Let's go on to the next week here. That was kind of an anomaly. Let's go on to the next week. Let's face the backup quarterback. Let's have a get right game. And here we are, another week, similar results. And the Bengals are 0 2. And not only did they drop a golden opportunity for themselves because of just getting a win, getting things right, feeling better about your team. But they dropped a golden opportunity because the rest of the AVC North just pooped pooped the bed, for lack of better words, this this week. Baltimore let a big lead go against Miami. Cleveland let a big lead go uh, lead go against the Jets. By the way, that's the team the Bengals play next week. And then you have the Steelers losing at home to the Patriots, and both of those teams look like they can't really do much of anything. Seventeen to fourteen in that game, and you go. My goodness. I mean, d- does anyone want to really win that game? So uh, to last week, we can kind of say, look, you know, learning experience, maybe Super Bowl hangover, all, you know, all of the narratives. Uh, you know, it's week one. It's wacky. It's crazy game, divisional game. You know, at times, even bad weather, the whole deal. This this was a different animal. This one this week was a different animal, and I don't know exactly. Uh, I don't know exactly what to make of this one, and it's not. Again, this isn't losing to Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. This is losing to Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys, and the Bengals. Simply put, have more questions than answers. I know that's a cliched statement at this point, but. I, they have more questions than answers right now. And what's concerning to me, and this will probably be something that's going to be repeated here, and we'll get into stats and we'll get into other things I've researched and whatnot. But what's concerning to me is the body language, the the seemingly much lower confidence level of this Bengals team. And you can see it on a lot of people's faces. And my goodness, the offensive tackles on this team. I know you've gone up against T.J. Watt and Micah Parsons in back-to-back weeks. I know you've gone up against two pretty good defensive lines. You have spent a lot of financial capital. You've spent a lot of draft capital to try and get this offensive line right. You have gone through, in the Zach Taylor era, two offensive line coaches, and we are still seeing similar results. I understand that Joe Burrow is going to run into a sack or two, if not more in a game. That's what comes with his style of play. But the continuous one-on-one losses 
man-on-man losses on the offensive line and the inexplicable lack of the coaching staff's willingness to stick another tight end, give extra help to a guy like Leal Collins, who was going up against Micah Parsons, TJ Watt on a regular basis these first two weeks. It's one-on-one matchups. At one point, you had Hayden Hurst going one-on-one with a defensive end today that netted a sack, and you go, "What? what's happening here? What is going on here? I don't really understand the mindset. I don't really understand the play calling. I don't really understand, quite honestly, much that's going on <laughs> in, in how this has played out. Um, and then on top of that, you look at it and you go, man, the body language is poor. The confidence level seems low. What do we do? That being said, we're going to be here for a little bit longer. I'm Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast and CincyJungle.com. I'm going to give a couple of just quick article highlights as well as the box score and just some other pieces of data that I researched on my own here. Here's the box score here. Pretty staggering. Joe Burrow, 199 yards, 24 of 36, and I think it was about 130, 140 yards, if I'm not mistaken, into the fourth quarter. Joe Burrow against the Dallas Cowboys. Not that the Dallas Cowboys were a horrible team, but they had a backup quarterback. You just kind of felt like this was feast day. 199 yards, didn't throw an interception. That was the other thing about today. Last week, he chalked it up too well. Joe Burrow turned the ball over five times last week. And, of course, the Steelers, even with their anemic offense, are going to do some things. Well, they didn't turn the ball over. The Bengals just did very little on offense. And look at this number right here. Six sacks for 34 yards. And on top of that, there are a number of other penalties on the offensive line, et cetera, that are concerning. This number, it's not a terrible number, the quarterback rating of 89.9, but when Cooper Rush has a better rating than Joe Burrow, that's concerning. That's concerning. And you look at the, you know, the rushing attempts Joe Mixon, 19 for 57. The numbers don't do it justice. Joe Mixon routinely, yet again, had to fight off would-be tacklers in the backfield this week. Would-be tacklers this week in the backfield. And then you look at it, you know, Burrow having 26 yards on four carries, a couple first downs in there, Jamar Chase. But there's just not a lot of creativity on offense, not a lot of big plays on offense. And then you go, okay, well, is it the offensive line? Is it the play calling? Is it what? It's really all of it. It's all of it. Higgins had a decent day, six catches, 71 yards in his return back. Jamar Chase, five catches, 54 yards. A lot of frustration from Jamar Chase in the postgame locker room interviews. Go listen uh, to a video that Mike Petralia at TRAGS on Twitter. Go listen to a video that he put up of Jamar Chase speaking to reporters. He is frustrated. And that's a guy who put up, you know, what, 120, 130 yards receiving last week and the what should have been the game-winning touchdown did not end up being so. 17-yard long catch today, 19-yard long catch by Higgins today. And that, by the way, that 19-yarder, that's the biggest play of the day for the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Compare that to Tony Pollard's 46-yard catch there. Now, both defenses did a lot of good things today. But again, six sacks on the Bengals offense, just not getting it done. Uh, You know, you had DJ Reader getting the fumble recovery. So the Bengals were actually plus in the turnover column today and still lost. That was plus one, not minus five, but still lost. 
Von Bell had the force fumble, had a tackle for loss. Um, you know, early in the games, the bang- the Bengals were playing a lot of Jesse Bates deep and bring everybody up. And early in the game, credit to the Dallas Cowboys, they were uh, kind of taking advantage of that a little bit. They were able to kind of get get some big plays early, and then Bengals adjusted a little bit and and did some different things. But also, the defense just in general settled in. DJ Reader made some nice plays in the run game later and whatnot. Um, and, and rest of the Bengals defense just kind of settled in. 20 points to a backup quarterback you should win uh, on the road. You kind of feel like you should win that one. You really kind of feel like you should win that game. Uh, Mike Hilton almost had, I mean, there was basically three occasions today, two by Mike Hilton and not, not so much an indictment of he and or Sam Hubbard. It's just, man, these are the bounces that went their way last year. Not so much going this way. You could say one, possibly two pick sixes in Mike Hilton's hands. Um, you know, he made a couple of nice plays today, but did not go through. And then Sam Hubbard had one late, uh, did have, he also did have two tackles for loss, had a nice game, did Sam Hubbard. But uh, again, just one sack on defense, the one turnover, no turnovers last week on defense, one sack on defense last week. So while the defense is getting off of the field, they are not having the major impact game changing plays. Still, this is largely the 0-2 start is an indictment on the Bengals offense. That's just kind of where it is at this point. And I think most people can agree there. And, you know, you're looking at Trent Taylor had a nice punt return earlier, earlier of 20 yards, you know, Evan McPherson three of three on the day, um, you know, did not attempt an extra point because the Bengals went for two on their lone touchdown, one touchdown by the Cincinnati Bengals offense. You have Tyler Boyd, you have T Higgins, you have Joe Burrow, you have Jamar chase one touchdown against a team. That is a backup quarterback. Staggering. Five punts. And you can debate, hey, should the Bengals have punted here? Should they not have punted here? The whole, you know, should they, should they not? And there's probably sides to both coins here. But, I mean, look, 19 first downs to 19 first downs. 13 passing first downs for the Bengals, 11 for the Cowboys. Um, You know, here's six for 17 on third down efficiency for the Bengals three of 10 for the Cowboys, the Bengals defense was getting off the field, especially late. You know, they had 30, 30% uh, third down efficiency rate did the Cowboys on offense. And then of course, both teams were one of one on fourth down total yards though. Discrepancy here, 337 for the Cowboys, 254 for the Bengals. Both teams had 10 drives. Um, yards per play, major discrepancy here. 3.8 for the Bengals, 5.7 for the Cowboys. Five, two, almost two yards more per play with a backup quarterback. Go figure. Go figure. And then you look at the other statistics here, an uncharacteristic uh, seven penalties from the Bengals. They were the least penalized team in the NFL last year. The Cowboys last year, I think, were 31st. Uh, they did not have as many five for 45 Bengals had the ball more. And I'm going to share a couple of articles here from cincyjungle.com that may or may not, again, this plays into the narrative going into this afternoon, the Browns and the Ravens, <laughs> look at Jason Markham Browns and Ravens pull, both pull off Epic Browns level choke jobs. I mean, that's just gotta love that. So this afternoon was set up to be a, a really good. And I pinned the, that article in the live chats for folks. 
this this afternoon was set up to be perfect for the Cincinnati Bengals in terms of, hey, win this one. You're one and one across the board. Yeah, you got that divisional loss, but you're one and one across the board. Let's start turning things around. You've got a backup quarterback this week. I know whatever you want to think about Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, et cetera, you've got what is a backup quarterback next week against the Jets and Joe Flacco because they're going with Zach Wilson. We know that. And so you go, hey, you know, let's start, let's start getting things right. And man, it's just the thing that's concerning to me, and there were spells of it last year. You look at the Broncos game, you look at the 49ers game, you look at even the, the first Raiders game, and then you look into some games in the postseason, quite honestly. The Bengals on offense, it just is it's painful, it's plotting. And then there's the big play. And then there's the long, methodical statement drive where you go, there it is. There's Joe Burrow. There's T. Higgins. There's Jamar Chase. There's Tyler Boyd. But still, for the better part of three-plus quarters this week, the better part of basically almost four full quarters last week, because if you include overtime and everything, you go, what, what is happening on offense? What is happening? Um. Uh, so there's a lot of different, a lot of different theories, a lot of different opinions on what should happen. I'm not going to sit here and be like, so and so should be fired. So and so should be fired. We're talking about two weeks into a season following a Super Bowl berth, where and a lot of people thought that they were never even going to make the playoffs last year. So I'm not going to sit here and say let's fire so and so, let's fire so. I've never really been that guy anyway, but you need to reassess where things are. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you need to reassess how you are addressing things on offense. You need to reassess how you, how you're attacking things on offense. And then of course there was a point in time this week where you are again, did I mention we're going up against a backup quarterback? Did I mention the Bengals were doing that? They had the ball on the Dallas, what 41, 42 yard line. And they opted to punt. You've spent all preseason kicking the ball with Evan McPherson. You know, booming 60-yarders outdoors at Paul Brown Stadium, etc. You were a very aggressive team last year on offense, but you won't go for it in that situation. I understand a new long snapper, etc. But you trusted that same long snapper to snap the ball to punt it. Right? So... I, that doesn't really bear weight with me there. I don't, I don't really understand now 60, 59 yard, 60 yard field goals. I'm, I know it's not the norm. I know fourth and long is not the norm going for it, but you're in no man's land and you have been a team that has been aggressive and your kicker has shown that he can make kicks with regularity, especially when you have some semblance of a regular long snapper in there and you decide not to go for it. Where's the aggressiveness that we saw last year? It's concerning. It's concerning. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I did a little homework because it, believe it or not, folks, every once in a while I do a little homework. I do some research. I do all that kind of stuff. Let's go back in time. We're going we're gonna to do two different pieces of time in terms of Bengals history here, recent Bengals history. Let's go back from the Tennessee Titans game and win to the current point where they're owned to. In those games, which is Tennessee, AFC Championship against the Chiefs, Super Bowl, two games this year. That's five games. Five games. They have allowed on offense 30 sacks. Five games, 30 sacks. Six sacks a game. Six sacks a game. You can put some of those on Burrow. You can put some of those on the offensive line. You can put it on. The bottom line is, folks, Burrow is getting hit. He is getting sacked a lot. We, we, can, we can play the blame game. We can play whatever else we want to do. He's getting hit and sacked a lot. He's getting hit and sacked a lot. That's not good. Then you look at, th- at things there. The last five games, 20.6 points per game those last five games now you're playing good teams obviously playing good teams you're playing good quarterbacks you're playing good coaches now you go back uh to the you go back to the time frame of november 21st through january 2nd i know that seems like a lot but that's basically the Raiders game mid-week, mid-year last year, all the way up until the Chiefs game where they clinched the playoffs. I didn't count the Browns game at the end of the year because not a lot of Bengals starters are playing in that game. But if you go to the Chiefs game, I'm sorry, the Raiders game in Las Vegas in the regular season, kind of mid-middle-late year until the end of the year to the Chiefs, mm-hmm. they were scoring almost 10 points more per game in that stretch than they have been in this last five game stretch spanning the last handful of games of the postseason and these two first games of this season. So 10 points difference. It's actually, if you want to be really theoretical about it, it's like 9.7, 9.8. If you really want to be technical about it, that's what it is. However, if you're basically scoring two possessions less per game and not only just against the cream of the crop teams, Chiefs, Tennessee, Rams, etc. A Steelers team that a lot of people thought was pretty weak, so weak that the Bengals were touchdown favorites at home to open the season. A Dallas Cowboys team that a lot of people thought was weak mainly because their backup quarterback was out of the lineup. Again, the Bengals were a touchdown favorite in that one. How are you scoring two possessions worth of points less Per game. Well, there's a myriad of factors. And unfortunately, it starts with the sacks, the penalties, all of the play, not only up front, but again, we can sit here and, and make an offensive line indictment. We can do all of that. 
last year our thing was they couldn't pick up a stunt. They couldn't they couldn't communicate right on stunts and twists, right? And that was that was correct. So then you get four new starters in the offensive line, and now you're seeing more one-on-one beats from from the offensive linemen. And it's really been what should be your anchors on the offensive line in the tackles, Jonah Williams and Lael Collins. Micah Parsons had his way this week. TJ Watt had his way last week. Alex Highsmith had his way last week on the edges. And the Bengals, I don't know if there's an overconfidence on their tackles where you go, okay, well, they don't need that extra help. They don't need that tight end to help chip. They don't need that. We, we can spread it out and do what we need to do. And maybe, I know we like Hayden Hurst in the passing game. I know I do. But maybe we're starting to see a little bit of what C.J. Uzama helped out a little bit behind the scenes with last year in terms of chipping and helping out with some blocking that is not there this year, whether that's by design in terms of play calling, whether that's by, hey, you know, we're going to use Hurst differently or we don't believe Hurst can provide that same kind of help that C.J. Uzama did. A lot of questions. A lot of questions. And, you know, uh, Wayne Milliken here, inability to run the ball is hurting the passing game. Yeah, yeah. And and go look at Joe, Joe Mixon when he runs the football. There are a number of times in a given game where Joe Mixon is at least touched or has to dodge someone behind the line of scrimmage as he gets a handoff. I don't – I. You know, I, I don't profess to be expert in this and that and the other thing. I mean, I, I but how is this still? I mean, it's probably a combination of things. Offensive line play, perhaps coaching. And then, of course, Joe Mixon's running style as well. He kind of does that wait patiently a lot of times and dance around a little bit and go. But how is this still a thing? in Joe Mixon's career where he has to, it happened at least twice today that I saw where he had to shake off a guy very shortly after he grabbed the handoff and had to make a play there. It's just a little bit inexplicable how some of the same things are happening, even with a new cast of characters. That's what's frustrating. Talked about the offensive line, talking about even some coaching staff stuff. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think, you know, people are saying, let's fire so-and-so, let's bench so-and-so. I, I don't think, I, you know, first of all, I'm not going to say this or that, but I I don't think a lot of people are immune from criticism at this point um, or, you know, hard looks in the mirror, really. You're just seeing a lot of this, uh, the same mistakes. You're seeing a lot of the same um, people kind of making those mistakes in in a lot of ways. And then you're just seeing a a real regression. And so I know we didn't want to hear it. I know we're like, Oh yeah. You know, you're just hating on the Bengals because they made the playoffs last year. And it's because it's the Bengals and all of that. And I still buy into some of that. But when I bring up the data that I just brought up real simple data, going back to the last five games, the Bengals have played and going back to Prior to that, you're talking about 10 points a game difference between the stretch last and, and some of those games in that stretch where the Bengals are scoring 10 points a game 
more then than they are now and or towards the end of the postseason. We're talking about that dismal offensive performance against the Broncos. We're talking about the dismal offensive performance against the 49ers and that weird game where they couldn't figure things out against the Chargers last year. That's, I mean, we're talking about all those still included in that time frame last year prior to these last five games where they've had issues. Joe, uh, Jamar Chase noted some frustration where he, you know, they're not taking shots downfield. I get it. Take a shot downfield, whatever. Give some 50, 50 balls. I'm, I'm with you do it. But also you're looking at it and you go, man, Joe can't go through his progressions. Joe can't go through a lot of things because the protection's not there. And so I don't think it's only, especially when you have four new starters, you spend a lot of money on these guys on the offensive line. I don't think it's only, man, this offensive line sucks. I don't think it's that. I think it's also, what plays are you drawing up? Does this offensive line just simply need more time together, playing together? Maybe. Uh, I think there's a, a myriad of factors. And to point at one or to point at the other or whatever, and only that, that's not going to get – and really, finger pointing is just not really going to get it done. It's just really kind of working through an issue. And maybe if you go back to – I didn't really think about this uh, until today, but when if you go back to an interview we had with Solomon Wilcox a, a few weeks ago before the season, he kind of said, you know, Bengals fans got to stick with it through some of the thick times that may come through this year. And you may have a couple of games that look like the Dallas game, the Denver game, and all of that. Uh, excuse me, the Denver game, the San Francisco game, and everything. Um, and this, can you say hi? Hi. It's my son, Regan. He's coming in and hanging out. Um, so you're going to see some of this stuff that uh, may end up. I, I love my dad. <laughs> I know, I know, buddy. Um, you're going to see some of this stuff where you go, you know, obviously it is, you know, part. it, it kind of comes with the territory with this team sometimes because this team has dry spells and it has explosive spells. That's kind of what happens sometimes with this Bengals team in this offense. That's unfortunately the, the, the sad truth with it. So, you know, I mean, unfortunately – this is one of those days where the Bengals just kind of shot uh, shot themselves in the foot a little bit. Not so much as they did in week one, because week one was a lot of unforced errors, burrow turnovers, rust, whatever you want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> Marty White, can Regan call play, play calls? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, he started flag football, so maybe he's learning some stuff with it. <laughs> With, with from his from his team there, I don't know. Uh, that's gosh, man, that's the comment of the night right there. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> you, you look at it and you go, is is this one of those dry spells that we saw kind of late last year, middle of last year? Remember, like going into the bye, we go, what is this team? Are they experiencing a similar thing right now? And then they've got a morph. Right, or what they did last year after a couple of rough games and whatnot. The bye week, the Raiders game, they said, "Okay, we're going to run the ball more. We're going to move Jamar Chase around more in terms of slot lining him about the outside, all the whole deal." Are they going to do something similar now? Um, are they going to go back to the drawing board and say, "You know, hey, we're just we're still going to wing it across the field 
despite the protection issues, but still, ladies and gentlemen, I go back to the stats I presented earlier in terms of the last five games, six sacks a game on average, 30 total sacks between the Tennessee game, the Chiefs AFC Championship game, the Rams game, the Steelers game, and this game. It's way too much. And if you heard John Sharon and myself, uh, I think it was last week, maybe a week prior, you're going you're gonna to have to accept a sack or two on Burrow a week. You're going to have to accept that because he dances around, he makes things happen, he ad-libs. We know this. What you have to limit and what you, if you are the Bengals offense, you cannot accept is essentially four other sacks on players getting beat, bad communication, all kinds of other whatever. Poor technique, whatever you want to chalk it, whatever the situation calls for. You cannot have six sacks a game. You can't. It's not sustainable. It's not. And you can, we can say, oh, it's on this person, or you guys think it's on the offensive line. You guys think it's on the quarterback. Whoever it's on, it's six sacks a game. It's not sustainable. It kills drives. That's the bottom line. It, it, it doesn't matter who it's on, really, at this point in time. You got to fix it. That that's that's it. We get we you can point and you can do all this stuff. It doesn't matter. You got to fix it. And and when you talk about four new offensive line starters on the Bengals front. This year, and you go back to, and again, this isn't an indictment on Zach Taylor or anybody else really necessarily. It's just you still haven't fixed the offensive line. This goes back to Marvin. This goes back to the last couple of years of Marvin. They still have not settled the offensive line and fixed it. Even with free agency, even with the draft, all of that. They, it's when you're when you're getting six acts a game, and your your leading rusher is getting three yards a carry. You have not fixed things up front. So you got to readdress scheme. You got to readdress play calling. You got to readdress who's out there. You haven't fixed it. So that's kind of the takeaway here. We've we've gone over the box score. We've gone over different things. I've I've talked about some stats that I dug up and and maybe it's cherry picking in a way, but I, I think it bears weight. I really do think it bears weight. And so uh, you know, when we look at this start to this season again last week was kind of like oh it's the anomaly it's week one they had the long snapper injury they're going to come out and back up quarterback and it's just staggering the performance they put out there absolutely staggering uh so they need to take more shots downfield but if they're going to do that they better make sure that some semblance of protection holds up they're going to need to get some stability in the run game, and they're going to need to thank you very much to Stray Strength 650 right here. Zero playmakers on D. I, I don't say zero playmakers on defense. I don't think that's correct, but I love the the last little, little to no pressure, zero sacks, all that kind of stuff. They need – I agree with the sentiment – in whole with the stray strength, not necessarily zero playmakers. I think they've got playmakers on defense, but they need to have those impact plays on defense. And unfortunately it puts the defense is going to be under more pressure because the offense is so that that pendulum, that momentum pendulum on offense is so just wildly swinging, wildly swinging. And so they need to figure that out. They They need to, I don't know. There's a lot of things to figure out. So, some of this is venting. Some of this is presenting some statistics to you. Some of it is going over the box score. 
and all of that. You go through today. I mean, it's hard. I, I would say, let's pick a play of the game. I mean, do you say that's the 19-yard, the longest play from scrimmage for the Bengals to T. Higgins? Maybe. Um, do you say it's the two-point conversion to tie it? I'd probably say that was that was it. And then if you go MVP, I would give, if, if you're going on defense, I would probably give it to DJ Reader. And anywhere else, I would probably say Evan McPherson. And I don't know. Usually, and granted, it's kind of low-hanging fruit, but I mean, if you're going to say MVP, if you're going to say this, that, you're going to say your quarterback played, you know, your wide receiver and his X amount of yards and X amount of touchdowns, that's your MVP. Um, And it's not an indictment necessarily of these specific players, but when your interior defensive lineman and your kicker, maybe the two top nominees for MVPs, um, you probably didn't have obviously a great day on offense. So, uh I, I'm seeing a lot of stuff. Scott Scott Walters puts this up here on Facebook. How about playing others like Chris Evans? The only explanation I have, I, I've been saying that where where's Chris Evans? Where's Chris Evans? The only explanation I have for this is that they don't believe in his pass protection. They like P. Ryan. P. Ryan's been one of the very first guys. He was one of the very first guys Zach Taylor brought in off the waiver wire in his very first season. He likes Samaj P. Ryan. That's it. And Samaj P. Ryan provides a lot of stuff, some of which you don't like, some of which you like, whatever. Uh, he's a valuable player, but you got to find in, in these situations when your offense has hit a stall, you got to. This is where an Evans comes in, where you go, hey, let's line him up in the slot. Let's do a dual back formation and see if we can maybe pitch one out to somebody and see what happens. Let's try something different. Let's get the ball in the hands of someone different. Let's put someone on the field, even as a decoy in order to make something potentially spark. So that's where I'm like, where's Chris Evans. Right. And then, you know, for the first half of today, I don't believe, I don't believe T Higgins was targeted in the first half of this football game, though being back from concussion protocol, he ended up having a nice second half, adding a couple of nice catches but he was a non-factor in the first half, and that was largely because he just wasn't part of the game plan. Jamar Chase, 50, 50 yards. What, what, I mean, we can go back and look. I mean, it just there's not a lot of impact there. And when you're forcing the ball downfield, when you're actually doing different things, then it kind of puts the other defense on notice. And then, you know, I mean, there were some similarities and some differences between the defensive schemes this week uh, from last Really, though, it, it just was we're going to rely on our elite edge rushers the last two weeks to get to Joe Burrow, beat tackles one-on-one. They moved Micah Parsons from both sides. He beat both tackles today, Lael Collins and Jonah Williams on different occasions. And one of, you know, and the Bengals just did scheme-wise things that were inexplicable. They did not give those tackles help with Micah Parsons on a lot of occasions. And then there was also a time when Hayden Hurst was going up against a defensive end solo where you go i mean that's just a mismatch why are you doing that uh i don't know I, you know i mean th- these are the things where you look at it and you go i how, why, why'd you draw that one up and for the second straight week you also have kind of not only you know personnel decisions and all that kind of stuff but also some game management decisions i mentioned kicking the ball away punting the ball away from the dallas 41 42 yard line in a fourth down situation this week and last week, of course, you didn't challenge the chase play. You didn't do certain things last week. And so two weeks in a row, you go, man, what? 
let's get a handle on on things that are going on in the game. Well, I'd love to get. I mean, I, I've pinned a lot of comments. I'd love to get your thoughts and uh, comments here as we end up closing up shop here for the Orange and Black Insider. Uh, I'm Anthony Cazenza once again with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider. Just again, last week was kind of oh man, should have had that one. All right, let's move on. And this week was what is happening? What is going on with this football team? And so uh, I, I don't, you know. There's not a lot of good answers at this point. And those answers have to come from that locker room. Those answers have to come from those coaches and those players to turn things around. That's just kind of the bottom line. So again, I appreciate it. I mean, we've got a lot of live viewers on a lot of different platforms right now. Uh, I appreciate you all tuning in late on a Sunday evening. Hopefully you're enjoying the Packers bears game. I have not been keeping an eye on that as we go live here tonight. I saw Bears kind of had an early lead, and then I didn't really see exactly what's happening at this point right now because um, I'm paying attention to you all. I'm not paying attention to the TV or my phone or anything. I'm paying attention to you all as we go through these things. But, um, hey, uh, uh, this is a good one here. And, by the way, Jacob Leroy with the um, with the Super Chat, that's going to go to the Pollock Family Foundation. Uh, and so – any super chats that we have over the next handful of weeks here, we're going to continue to help out the Pollock Family Foundation. We had David Pollock, former Bengals linebacker and ESPN personality on the show about a month or so ago. We're helping out his charity that he spearheads. And you can go to givesendgo.com slash Pollock Family Foundation to directly support that. Otherwise, our super chats here are going to going to help that out. Jacob Leroy, what are some of the positive takeaways to take forward from this game into next week? <laughs> I, I struggle a little bit, but really, how can I guess my thing is could the Bengals, especially on offense, play any worse and lose by two last second field goals? That's the positive takeaway. They lost it a field goal at the gun on Sunday afternoon, evening, and they lost it a field goal at the very end of overtime last week. They had five turnovers last week what, seven sacks, I think, last week, six sacks today, no turnovers, but six sacks today, and they are still two field goals away from being 2-0, and one extra point away from being 1-1. One and one. So I guess that's my positive takeaway. It's not – they're far away because of what we're seeing and output on offense, but they're not far away score-wise. It's not like they're getting blown out in these games, folks. These are these are the games, but but what's concerning is these are the types of ways they won last year, and this is the narrative, the national narrative of oh they won a lot of tight games last year. You can't win all those tight games this year. They're not so far. They're own two. But my positive takeaway is even despite all the mistakes, despite the poor play, despite the just miserable at times offense, they're two field goals away from being 2-0 and and one extra point away from being 1-1. and That's my positive takeaway. And if you can't see the positive there, I don't know, but that's that's what I take away. I'm going to get out of here in just a second. Here's Akila the Great here also. Uh, Jets defensive line and defensive coach is a lot better too when a super chat there. But, um, you know, I, I guess I, I'm always kind of the, hey, let's try and be positive about a lot of different things. But, um, you know, 
it's also your own two after coming off of a Super Bowl loss. You thought you improved your team and they just look flat. They don't look as confident this year. And there are a lot of issues to be worked out. Again, the good news is they have lost games by a collective six points and two last second field goals. That's it. So uh, at this point, I'm going to get out of here. Again, I'm Anthony Kazenson with CincyJungle.com, the Orange and Black Insider. You can get this show and the others on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. You can also subscribe right about there. You can click that icon on our YouTube channel to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available, and you can give a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page with about 80,000, 85,000, something like that. Strong on the on the Facebook cha- page. We stream live there. We stream live on Twitter. We stream live on our YouTube account. We do a lot of different uh, a lot of different things. And hopefully you've enjoyed what we've been giving you this season. We've been trying to get you stuff almost every day of the week between a preview with someone uh, that covers the other op- opposing team as well as our show, our post-game show, our Monday headlines, all that kind of stuff. We're trying to bring you a lot of different stuff. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza. Keep it to CincyJungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, and everything. And we will be back with a lot more on the podcast channel and on the website. Take care. Try and brush this one off. We'll see you soon. <laughs>